in this letter here, you know, and, and Paul wrote to many churches, you know, and not all of them were encouraging, okay? Some of them, uh, you know, he had to, uh, um, he had to talk, he had to correct them in some, in some of the, some of the letters he wrote. And there was a lot of correction. Sometimes he had to admonish them. Sometimes, uh, he was thanking them. Sometimes it was teaching. A lot of it's teaching, but sometimes he really had to teach kind of stern. Well, this letter that he wrote here is a letter of encouragement that he wrote to the, the Philippi church. They wrote to the Philippian people. And, um, so I want to get into that. And, and we're going to probably cover a lot of the chapter, just a verse here or there. But uh, we're going to start, you know, in uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 6. It says, I thank God. And the first one is uh, thanking, uh, thanksgiving and prayer. Thanksgiving and prayer is our first one. Okay. And it says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who has been begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I look at that, and the way he started out, and Paul is saying here, you know, he's telling the people, every time I think of you, Every time I remember you, it brings joy to my heart. He says, I thank God. Wouldn't that be great if, if our friends or if our pastor, every time he thought of us, uh, he thanked God for us and said, oh, no, not them again. You know what I'm saying? Um, and don't get me wrong, that don't happen. But you know what I'm saying? Here, Paul, Paul's a missionary. Okay, Paul, uh, and this is a church that, that has helped Paul in his mission work. But more than that, they were an encouragement to him. More than just helping him financially, they were an encouragement to him. And Paul says, you know, every time I remember them, I thank God for them. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. I don't know how many pastors today can honestly say that about their church. Now, we have a good church. We do. We have good people. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to uh, can, can, uh, put our church up against this church, but I'm talking about here, Paul, and the people that are at this church. Um, the people at this church was not doing it, was not doing it to get Paul to pat him on the back. They were not doing it just, to, just so they would look good. You know, there are some people that... Uh, they want to give everything, and they want to do everything, so people will pat them on the back. This was not this church. This church was doing it for the Lord. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. They were doing it because, because, because they felt the Lord was telling them to do it. Okay? And Paul said, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Um, this says a lot about the church and the kind of life that these people were living. They were living a good life. It talks about um, the kind of life, you know, about their fellowship with each other. He said, it encourages me. I pray for you all the time about your partnership from the first day until now. In other words, you didn't start out big and then let me down at the end. You've been praying for me constantly. And, you know, I wonder how many times um, that maybe we have let people down because, you know, we say, hey, we'll pray for you. Or, or uh, you know, we tell missionaries or we tell pastors, hey, we're going to be praying for you. And then after a while, we forget. You know, I'll never forget. Um, and it happened to me, so I can use that. You know, uh, somebody asked me on a Sunday morning, I was talking to him, they said, will you pray for me this week? I got this going on, I got that going on, and I, I really need your prayer. And I said, yes, I will. Well, the following Sunday, they came up and patted me on the back. Thanks for praying for me. Everything went well. I forgot all about praying for them. You know what I mean? It wasn't my prayer that helped it because I forgot. You know, these people didn't forget. They made, they made a promise unto Paul and unto God. You know, sometimes we make promises, and we're just not making them unto the pastor. We're just not making them unto somebody else. But we're also making it unto God. Okay, to remember, to do it. And Paul said, you guys have remembered me. Just not financially, but in, you know, in prayer. And Paul knows that. 
You know, it's more than money what he's talking about. It's more than money. More than, uh, more than money support. He says, and your fellowship with each other, you know. And it says here, I pray. I'm, I'm, he said he's being confident of this, that God has begun a good work in you, and he'll complete it. Now, why is he so confident that that will happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, it, um, because Paul can see in their heart a joy and a peace and a, and a, and a will of giving that, that the ordinary person just can't see. Paul can see in communicating with them. He can see because of the prayers that go up. He can see in all these different areas in their life that they're real, that they're real. And that's what, that, that's what he is saying here. He is saying, you know, where others, where others have probably failed me, others have fallen off, you guys have been real. You guys have been real. Verse 3, I thank God every time I remember you. And this is my prayer. In, in, in starting now, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth. That your love may abound more in knowledge and depth. Why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say that? I pray that you're, you know, he's saying, you're say, he's saying that you're doing good. You're doing good. But I want you to abound more. More knowledge in more prayer. More discernment. More discernment uh, so you can discern what's going on. You know, in other words, what Paul is telling you here, don't stop. Don't stop growing. You've got to continue to grow. And isn't that the way it is, should be for all of us? You know, we should never stop growing. Never stop. You know, if you think that you've reached to the place where you know it all, you're in trouble. If you think you're reached to the place where God, I'm perfect, you know, you're in trouble. Now, we don't say that, but sometimes we act that way. Well, look at them. Well, look at them. You know, boy, I wouldn't be doing that. By the grace of God, we're not doing that. You know what I'm saying? So we, we how can I say this? We got to keep growing in the Word and, and, and in the knowledge. And how do we do that? We keep in the Word. We keep in the Word. You know, he says that you abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight so that you may discern what is best and what is pure and what is blameless until the day of Christ. He want, in other words, as you grow, as you grow, as you learn more, you're going to be able to discern what is good and what is bad. You know, there's some things that we look back on as Christians now that we've been Christian for a long while. We look back on it and say, wow, man, how did I ever fall for that? I wouldn't fall for it now. That's because we've grown. We've grown. And that's what he's telling them here. You're doing great. You're doing good. Keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Um, filled with the fruit of righteousness. You know, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. What is the fruit of righteousness? Well, I think the fruit of righteousness is, is also the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So being filled with the fruit of righteousness. So what does that look like? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love? He's saying, man, you guys, you've been showing me so much love. Joy? It's that joy that comes across. It's not, it's not that, that joy that I'm smiling all the time. It's not that joy that, you know, it's a joy in giving. Have you ever got that place where you just want to give? It's a joy in giving, you know? That's one of the things I love so much about Christmas time. I really do. I'm a big Santa Claus anyway, you know? But it's a joy, it's a joy in giving because, you know, you're, you're giving to people. You're giving to this person, giving to that person. One of the great things about being a pastor at the church is that we give to give. You know, we get to give out. We give of ourselves, but we give also of, uh, we help people. You know, our pantry, we help people. You know, somebody came in today that needed help. You know, 
And we say, yes, we can help you. It's that joy of giving, that joy of giving yourself, you know. And all of us should be there. That joy that, you know, reaches out to other people. It could be your neighbor. It could be at work. That's always a tough place to give, you know. It is. But it's that joy. And then there's that peace. And what he's saying here to these people, there's a peace about you that passes what everybody else has. A peace that just don't pass understanding. And, you know, that word's, you know, you guys have a peace that not everybody has. That peace that comes from what? From knowing Jesus. From knowing that I know, that I know, that I know. And God can give you that peace. God can give you that peace. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm sure that there were people in this church that were in tough times. I am sure that there were people in this church that was out of work. I'm sure that was people in this church that were giving everything they could give. There was people probably in this church that were battling some of the same things that we're battling today. They just didn't know what it was, you know. But Paul says here that God can give you a peace over that. You know, there was probably some parents that were battling with their teenagers. Now, I know that's unbelievable, but there probably was. Forbearing. Another thing, you know, part of the fruit of the Spirit is forbearing one another. You know, forbearing one another. In other words, being there for them. Helping them to carry the load. That's forbearing. Helping them to carry that load. You know, coming up and saying, hey, brother, I know what you're going through. Sister, I know what you're going through. Help me carry that load with Let, let me help you carry that load. Let me pray for you. What can I do to help you? You know, I asked one of the ladies today that I was talking to. I said, you tell me, what can I do to help you? You know, and, uh, and oh, pastor, pastor, I know. What can we do to help you? You know, I, I was talking as a church, just not me personally. You know, what can we do to help you? And, and that's what that is, you know, kindness. Oh, my goodness, kindness. You know, a kind word goes a long way. You know, a kind word goes a long way. You know, there's a place I stop every morning to get coffee. You know, I've, it, it, it's Tim Hortons, you know, and, and, uh, and I stop there every morning on my way the one in Flat Rock, and, uh, and when they say, what would you like, I tell them, they say, hi, Pastor, and, uh, you know, they know me, okay? Why? Because I'm kind to them, because I'm, you know, I'm not rough with them. Now, that has taken work for me. Sometimes, uh, you know, if they're not fast enough, I, I used to let people know, <laughs> you know, that you're fast food, you know what I'm saying? And Norma has worked with me on that, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, Norma's my uh, second Holy Spirit, and she helps me with those things, and, uh, and she'll say, shh, <laughs> you, know, you know. But, you know, being kind, being kind, being kind to your neighbor, being kind to the person who cuts you off, okay? But no, but being kind. And being kind just, isn't, just doesn't happen at church. Let me say this. Being kind starts at home. Let me say it again. This is for all of us. Being kind starts at home. Because if you can't be kind at home, then what you're doing at church and with your friends is false. Whew. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you what the Lord taught me. And there are some times that I have to say that word that God has taught me to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes I have to say it to people here at the church. I'm sorry. You know, somebody told me not long, well, it's been a while ago, maybe a year or so ago. They said, Pastor, I want to tell you something, but you are so busy on Sunday. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't ever want to be so busy that somebody can't stop and say something to me. So I've really worked on not trying to be that busy or, you know, so I can be kind and I can listen. Part of being kind is listening. Part of being kind is listening. Listening to what really is being said. There's a difference between listening and listening. I can listen to what Norma is telling me while the ball game's on, but I don't hear. No, I can hear what Norma's telling me, but I don't listen because she has done that a few times, and she's gone, went on to say, yeah, well, I'm dying, and I'm dead, this, this. And I said, well, that's good, you know. He just hit a home run. <laughs> we'll talk about that after he rounds base. But you know what I'm saying? 
So part of being kind is listening. Part of being kind is gentleness. Kindness goes a long way. And that's what Paul is saying here to these people. You have been so kind to me. You have been so good to me. Goodness. Goodness, being good. Faithful. Faithful. Gentleness. Self-control. Wow. Didn't have to get that far. Self-control. Self-control sometimes is tough, isn't it? Especially when you're on a diet. Right, Norma? It is. It's fun. You know, we were just, just came back from camping for two weeks. And uh, neither one of us wanted to step on the scale. Yeah. Now, we, we did real well. But still, self-control is a lot more than just watching your weight. Self-control is a lot. You know, there's self-control in many, many, many areas. Many areas. Self-control also says that I don't watch that. Are you hearing me? That's self-control. Self-control says I don't need to go there. Self-control says I say no. Remember Sunday I said we have to learn to run from sin. Self-control says I'm going to run from what drags me down. That's self-control. Okay? And that is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul is saying you guys have got it. You guys have got it. Keep working on it, but you got it. Everything that I mentioned here takes work. Wouldn't it be great if you got saved and God just sapped us and we were perfect and never had to do another thing? That would, wouldn't that be great? But that's not the way it is. We live in a real world. The, Philip, the, the, the Philippine people here, Philippine? The Philippine people here, F Philippines too. Uh, they, live, they live in a real world, Okay. And Paul was saying, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Number two, imitating Christ. Number two is imitating Christ. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort for him in love, if any command share in the Spirit, every common sharing in the Spirit, make then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Jesus is saying here, or Paul is saying here, Jesus is saying it, but make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in the Spirit and one in the same mind. i got to catch up with my notes. Boy, I'm way up here. Paul is telling the church, make my joy complete by being like-minded. What's that mean, being like-minded? Being like-minded what? Being like-minded with Christ. Being like-minded with Christ. In other words, not doing my own thing. Being like-minded with Christ. Having the same what? Having the same love. We just talked about love. Having the same love that Christ shows. What did Christ do? He gave us all. And that's what he's talking about here. Having the same love, being in one spirit. In other words, he's telling the church here, be in one spirit. Don't, don't half this church do this and half this church do this and this and this and this. Be in one spirit. Be in one spirit and a one mind and one mind. You know, when a church is in one spirit and one mind, God is working and God can work. And God can do miraculous things. And that's what, they are, that's what he is saying here. Do nothing out of self-ambition, but rather in humility. Value others more than yourself. Wow. Wow. Being in one spirit, with one purpose, in one accord, in one mind, in humility, consider the other better than yourself. In other words, don't look down on people. Don't look down on people. Do we have the same love? I hope so. Do we have the same love? I hope so. In one spirit, in one purpose, in one accord, in one mind, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked generation. 
And people, if he thought it was a crooked generation back then, what is it today? What is it today? Being like-minded. In other words, don't fight. Don't fight each other. He said, be like-minded. Don't fight each other. And again, a lot of that starts at home. It does. Husbands and wives. Families. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Oh, my goodness. A lot of times we do things, don't we? But we grumble about it, but we do it. You know? I worked for 36 years at Chrysler. Was I happy with everything I did? Heavens, no. But I was told to do it, and I did it. I fired a lot of people. In 36 years, you're going to fire a lot of people. I had to let a lot of people go. I had to discipline a lot of people. Um, And a lot of people didn't like me for it. But, you know, it says, you know, do everything that you're supposed to for the, he's talking here spiritually, not so much at work, but, you know, do everything without grumbling about it, without fighting about it. When pastor asks you to do something, do it. Quiet, isn't it? But that's what he's talking about here. You know, um, you gotta watch what I say. Um, he says here, be humble. Be humble. Well, you know, sometimes sometime it's hard to be humble. But Jesus, he said, be humble. Jesus was humble. He said, if you're going to be like him, be humble. Be humble. Care for others. Care for others. You know, in other words, arguing and grumbling and finding fault. The last part of this, then you will shine like a star in the sky. He said, if you're doing all these things, you're going to shine like a star in the sky. You're going, in other words, what he's saying here is you're going to shine for me. And people are going to see, you know, you as being a Christian. They're going to see you different than everybody else. You know, we were up north in the Upper Peninsula, and one night, uh, it was late, about 1 o'clock in the morning, and, uh, and we were, there was a lot of trees, but I just happened to walk out in this one area, and all I could see was, you know how much brighter the stars are up, up there in the Upper Peninsula? Huh? You know, they were shining, they were beautiful. They were beautiful. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. Shine like a beautiful star. You know, those stars are up there. God put those stars up there for us. And he's saying, shine, be a star for me. Be a star for me. Shine, no matter where you are. If it's at work, if it's at home, if it's at church, if it's at play, be a star for me. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, okay? I'm just telling you what Paul had to say to the church and what he had to say to this church. He was saying to us, Okay? Sometimes there's a, do you ever find it hard sometimes to shine like a star? Let's be honest, we do. There are hard places sometimes that you don't feel like shining as a star. You know? You know, I'm no different than the rest of you. And Norma can vouch for that, you know? Uh, uh, You know, I'm a morning person. Man, I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm ready to go. Norma gets up at 9 in the morning, and uh, she don't shine like a star. Now, in all fairness, at 10 o'clock at night, my star is buying down and Norma's is just starting to pop up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but, you know, shine like a star. In other words, in a group like this, be a star. You know, when you're at work, in your neighborhood, be a star where people, people are kind of drawn to you. You know, when there's a beautiful star, you ever notice how people will stop and look? Okay, be that kind of person that people are drawn to you. You know, my son-in-law was up north with us, and he was he was pointing out, well, that star there is this star. I don't know the name of stars. I'm lucky to even know their stars. You know, 
you know, well, that star is this, and that star is that, and this star is this, and that star is that. And I'm looking at it like, oh, come on, you know. But anyway, Jesus is saying, be that star. Be that star that people can point out and say, hey, you know what that star is? Huh? Do you know what that, that star is Vic? Or that star is Frank? Or that star is Bruce? Or that star, you know, be that kind of a star. Isn't that good? That's what he's saying here to us. Okay? You know, this is, a, this is a letter of encouragement. And he's trying to encourage them to be, they're already doing good, but he wants them to be everything that they can be. Good is not good enough. That's what he's telling them. You're doing good. You're on the right track. You know? He knows they're on the right track. But he says, you can go farther and you can go deeper. That's why pre- pastor preaches every Sunday here because he knows he's got a congregation that can go farther and deeper and longer in the Word and that we can be those stars. So that your star, you know, that your star will shine and people will ask, why are you so happy? Why are you smiling? You know? What's going on in your life? You know? And when people ask, don't, don't say, oh, nothing. You know? Tell them, hey, Jesus loves me. You know? Explain where you are and what's going on. You know? That's our, that, that, that's, that's our privilege. Be blameless and pure children of God. That's what he wants you to be. Blameless and pure. Blameless and pure children of God. In other words... Keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with them. Be pure. Let's go on to three. I don't want to, be, I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to be too hard. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, knowing him, there's a difference between accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and knowing that I know that I know him. You know, when you fall in love with somebody, you want to know everything about them. You want to know what makes them tick. You want to know, you know, every little aspect of their life. And that's the way it should be with Jesus. We want to know everything about him. Lord, help me to learn. Have you ever, have you ever prayed that? I pray it all the time because my head is hard. You know, the Lord has to teach me and then teach me and then teach me over again. And then Norma has to explain it to me. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. Isn't it good to have a husband and wife where you can share? Yeah. And that's what we should, that's what we should be doing. Or having a partner that you can share with, having a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something like that. You know, a boy. I don't mean, you know what I'm saying. A friend that you can share with. Okay. You know, if you're married, you shouldn't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Okay. But, um, but you know what I'm saying. Where was I? Okay. Knowing Jesus, knowing him. He says, but whatever were gained to me, I count them lost for the sake of Christ. In other words, everything I have is garbage compared to what I have in Jesus. Now, God doesn't say that you can't have nice things. But he does say, I want to be number one. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He said, everything I have, everything I have, have achieved, and Paul has achieved a lot of stuff, is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing should be compared to it. My husband, my wife, my children, don't compare to knowing Jesus Christ. Oh, they're good people. I love Norma dearly. I love my girls dearly. I love a couple of my son-in-laws dearly. I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying. But knowing Christ is where the joy comes from. Knowing Christ is because knowing him deeper and deeper and deeper. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know more about you. I, I want to know, know what makes you tick, Jesus. You know, I want to make you, I want to know what makes you get up in the morning. I want to know what makes you laugh. I want to know what makes you smile. Paul said he considers it all, all of his gains, everything he's done, he considers it trash 
compared to knowing Jesus. Whatever I've accomplished, he says, doesn't compare to knowing him. But this one thing I do know, this one thing I do know, that he wants to know the power and the knowledge of him. He wants to know the power that comes from knowing God. Do you know there's power that comes from knowing him? The closer you get, the more you know, the more power you find in Jesus Christ. There's power in knowing Jesus. There's power in your prayer. There's power in your life. That I may gain and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which through the faith in Jesus Christ. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power in his resurrection and participate in the suffering becoming like him in death. He says, I want to participate in everything God has me has for me. I want to know. I, you know, sometimes I want to know what it feels like. Jesus, I want to know what you went through for me. That's getting to know him. You know, I'll never forget uh, the picture. I can't remember the name of it now, but that crucifixion, you know, the picture I'm talking about, you know, when they were nailing to the cross, you know, I, I, I didn't want to go see it, you know, but my, my wife made me. And, uh, you know, and, and, and watching them nail, you know, him to the cross, if that didn't bring tears to your eyes, nothing would, you know. I want to know about that suffering. Why? Because Jesus, that... And no, I think in knowing that, it makes us stronger in knowing what we need to do for him. If he gave his all for us, what should, what should we give for him? Everything we got. That's just what Paul is saying here. He gave everything he had, including his life. And going out and knocking on doors and beating people down and, and, and telling them to get saved, that's nothing compared to what Jesus did. That's nothing compared to what Jesus did. And that's some of the things Paul did. You know, that's some of the things Paul did. Being tied up in prison, being, you know, shipwrecked, everything else, you know. Uh, um, Paul says, not that I've already obtained. In other words, I have not arrived. I have not arrived. You know, if you think you've arrived, again, you're lost. You've not arrived. None of us have arrived. We won't arrive until we make it to heaven. We won't arrive until we make it there. I'll never forget, and I think I shared this uh, maybe once before. I'll never forget because, you know, God done so much in our, in our life in those early few days or those early few weeks and months after we came back to the Lord. Man, I thought I was perfect. I really, I didn't think there was a, I didn't, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I didn't think there was a sin. I didn't think there was anything in my life at all. And God pointed something out to me, and it totally defeated me. I thought, that can't be me. But it was. It was. And I had to give that over to the Lord. I almost said what it was. It was my temper, to be honest with you. I had to give that over to the Lord. It was my temper. And I had it under control pretty good. Did you hear what I said? I had it under control pretty good. And Jesus said, it's not good enough. Let me control it. Now, it still pops up once in a while. And I have to give it back. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so Paul says, you know, I'm not perfect. But I take hold I take hold of what Christ is doing in my life. I take hold of my eternal life. I hold on to that power. I want that power, he says. And then, in, then he says, in what verse? Don't look back. Don't look back. Why did he say don't look back? Why did he tell us not to look back? Any idea? You know, don't, don't, don't look back to the old stuff. You know, forget that. Forget what's behind you. And look forward to what's in front of you. Looking back will drag you down. That's why he said don't look back. Looking back will take, will, will take sometimes the joy out. You know, I can sit back and look at, at my life 46 years ago. 40, 
nine years ago. Okay, I can't remember how long it's been. Okay, you know, and I can look back, and you know, and I kind of get get defeated a little bit. But Jesus says, "Don't look back." Paul saying, "Don't look back. Look today. Don't look back. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Keep your eyes upon me." You know, I think it's in Luke. I think where where a guy comes up and says, "Jesus, I want to follow you." This this is not in my. Scripture, but it just came to my mind. I want to follow you, Lord. What, can, what do I have to do? Well, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Come on and follow me. Well, let me go bury my dad. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. And what are you saying here? Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't say, Jesus, I'm giving you all today, and tomorrow go back on it. Some of that wasn't in my notes, but stop looking back. It's Luke 9.62, if you want to figure out where that is, okay? Some of us have a problem because we're always looking back. We're always looking back. Stop fighting yourself. That's what he's saying here. Stop fighting yourself. Don't worry about yesterday. Heavenly days, tomorrow's bad enough. Don't worry about yesterday. Today's hard enough. Don't worry about yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Keep your eyes upon me today. You know, and looking back, we're, we fight ourselves. We fight ourselves. And another thing, when you're walking forward and you're looking back, what happens? Sometimes you stumble. You see what I'm saying? Looking back, you know, I stumble enough anyway. I think my feet are too flat. I stumble. The older I get, the more I stumble, Vic. You know, you know what I'm saying, Vic? Say yes, I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Uh, but, you know, we do that, okay? He says, don't look back. Keep your eyes upon the path, on the path that you're going on. And you won't stumble. You won't stumble. But let me say this. He says, I strain, I strain toward what is ahead of me. In other words, I'm straining to get at what's ahead of me. I'm straining. I'm straining. I'm trying to get there as much as I can. I'm straining to get what's ahead of me. When I think of straining, I mean, I think of that, you know. I remember playing ball, you know, and, and when, you know, I played a lot of outfield, you know, and there was times where I went back against the fence and I had to jump up to catch the ball. I strained to catch the ball in football. Whew, there was sometimes I caught the ball and I knew when I caught it, I was going to get hit. You know, there was no doubt in my mind, but I had to strain to catch it and hold on to it. That's what he's saying here. I strained to do it. You know, when you're running, you know, and you're in a race, you know, and that line is up there and there's this guy right alongside of you, you're straining to get to that line. And that's what he's saying for. Strain to get to heaven. Go for it with everything you got. Don't give up. Sometimes we, we get about almost there and we think, Phew, I'm tired. Are you, do you ever get tired? Huh? Do you ever get tired? I mean tired. Sometimes you get tired of fighting it. I mean, let's be honest with each other. We do. Sometimes you just get tired of fighting Satan. Don't you? You get tired of fighting sin. You know, you get tired of fighting the garbage that comes at you every day. I'm just talking. I'm talking to all of us. Because we do. It comes in many different fashions, in many different ways. And you know what? A lot of times we get blindsided because we're not prepared for it. He's saying, keep your eyes on me. Don't get blindsided by that. Don't get blindsided by what Satan wants to throw at you. I press forward. I press forward to the gold. What's the gold? The gold is heaven. I press forward to that gold. I think it's verse 14. To the gold to win the prize. What is the prize? The prize is heaven. And we have to press forward. We have to keep going. You don't give up. And that's what he's telling the Philippian people here. You're doing great. You're doing good. You're doing everything you're, going, you're supposed to be doing. But don't give up. Don't give up. Go for the prize. Press toward the goal to win the prize of Jesus. 
who has called you. Who has called you. Every one of us are called. There isn't a person sitting here tonight that isn't called to heaven to do what he wants us to do. We're called to do a job for the Lord. We're called to work for him. We're called to follow him with everything we got. You don't have to worry about, boy, I, don't, I wonder what God wants me to do. He'll show you what he wants you to do. But first, he's got to get you to a place where he can use you. I don't know where that came from, but it's true. It's true. Forgetting, forgetting what's behind me and straining for what's ahead of me. Go for it with everything you got. You know, when you go for it with everything you got, you're going to be a winner. You're going to be a winner. You may not be in first place. You may not be in second, but you're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win everything Jesus has for you. And that is heaven. That is heaven. The last one, it can't be that late already. Man, I had a short sermon tonight. The fourth one is rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear it, I said rejoice. Now, there are some times where I don't feel like rejoicing. When my daughter or one of my daughters call me and say, this is happening and that's happening and this is going on and that's going on and that, 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 you, know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I have a hard time rejoicing over it. Or when, I'll be honest with you, you know, it's hard to rejoice when people that you're shepherding are going through tough times. But I rejoice in that God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And so often we try to work it out for God, don't we? But he says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Be evident to all. In other words, don't go around rejoicing over nothing. Hey, I rejoice that I got up this morning. Well, that's good. Everybody gets up in the morning. You know? Rejoice that he loves you. Rejoice that that you love him. Rejoice that he's leading in your life and he's guiding your life and he knows what is best for you. We don't know, but he knows what is best for you. It says rejoice in the Lord. That's what he's talking about, rejoicing. Don't be anxious. In other words, stop worrying. Oh, that's a tough one. How many of us worry? Come on, be honest with me. How many of us worry? Sure we worry, don't we? He says don't be, an don't be anxious for nothing. You know, don't be anxious. Don't stop worrying. I got tomorrow in my hands. I got your life in my hands. Don't worry about this is going to happen or that's going to happen or is my job going to be here tomorrow or are my kids going to do this or my kids going to do that, you know? Um, hey, he says, I got it. I got it. If I got your life, if you're living for me, I got it in my hands. So stop worrying about it. Easy to say. Hard to do. I'm just telling you what it is. It's hard for all of us, isn't it? The Lord has to remind me every once in a while, hey, I thought you gave it to me. Well, I did, but you weren't doing it fast enough, so I'm helping you. <laughs> Have you ever had that conversation with Jesus? <laughs> we have that conversation with him. You know, you're not doing it the way that I thought it should be done, so I'm helping you do it the right way so you'll know better next time. That's kind of what we tell the Lord sometimes, isn't it? Huh? In everything, in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. He said in everything, present your request. Just not the tough things, in everything. Pray about, you know, we pray about the big things and we try to handle the little things ourselves. Jesus said in everything, by prayer. With thanksgiving. Jesus, I thank you that the house payment's going to be made this week. I'm not sure how it's going to be done, but I thank you it's going to be done. Now, that don't mean you don't go to work. That don't mean you don't scrape the money together and get it. That don't mean that, you know what I'm saying? You know, just because you're saved, you still have to work at it. But in everything, with thanksgiving, thank you, Jesus. Jesus.
thank you for, thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for the answers of prayer tonight. You know, at night when I'm sitting in my chair, my quiet time is in the morning. You know, Norma's quiet time is in the evening. Uh, but when I'm sitting in my chair and I finally got the ball game turned off and I'm grinning ready for bed, you know, thank you, Lord, for today. It may have not have been the way that I wanted it to go, but it went the way that you wanted it to go. And thank you for it. And then go to bed. That's Thanksgiving. Make your request. Make your request known to God. Don't, you know, I remember years ago, we were living in Monroe, and there was this pastor in Monroe, and, uh, and he made the statement, and normally I don't know if you remember this, if who it was, but I remember it well. He said, yeah, well, I prayed about that, and it's over. I prayed about it once, and I gave it to God, and it's over. That was Rex. And uh, you don't know him, so I can see his name. But anyway, I thought, no, Jesus wants us to continue praying for it. Continue praying. I continue praying, you know, until, until I can't anymore. You know, my grandma, my grandma, my grandma got saved late, late in life. She was probably in her late 40s when she got saved. Almost all of her children were grown. But she had one daughter, one daughter that she prayed for and she prayed for. I mean, up until she, she was 97 when she died. And Irene just never came back to knowing God. She, her husband got saved just before he died. But Irene grew up bitter. She had, she had polio as a child. She grew up bitter against the world, against God, and against everything else. And when Grandma died, when Grandma died, uh, you know, Irene, she got more bitter. But one night, and I may have shared this before, but one night she couldn't sleep a year after Grandma died, almost a year to date, she couldn't sleep. She turned on TV, and there was an evangelist preacher on TV, and Aunt Irene got saved that night. And she's now probably 95, still going strong, serving the Lord. You know, I mean, that's God. That's, don't quit praying. Don't quit. I know Grandma probably after she went to heaven, she was still praying for Aunt Irene, you know. And every once in a while I see her, and, you know, um, <laughs> we just have a good time. So, what do you, I don't, I guess I'm talking about making your request known to God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just because things look bad, just because, you know, uh, you're praying for somebody, I'll never forget, I'm, I'm going to share this with you. I'll share this with you. I had a guy at work. Oh, he was tough as nails. I mean, you know, and, and I was his foreman, and, you know, and, and I gave him a track. Remember the old track? And I gave him a track. This was Zoni's brother. And I gave him a track. And I didn't know it was Zoni's brother at the time. Zoni went to our church. I gave him a track, and he tore it up and threw it in my face and said, don't ever talk to me about Jesus again. Whew. And he was a big, strong boy. So I didn't. About six months later, we had revival meetings at our church. And who do you think showed up? with his wife because he was a brother of our good friends. I had no idea that they were related. No idea because they were like two complete separates. But he got up and came to the altar that night and I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. That's Jesus. So never give up. Never give up. Isn't that great? I wish they were all like that. <laughs> They're not, but I wish they were. I can do all things. Oh, here, the, the, number four. The peace of God guard your. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that God gives you that will guard your heart that he will guard your heart and he will guard your mind. Jesus will guard your heart and guard your mind. Now, that don't mean that we don't, you know, hey, God's guarding my heart so I can do this and I can do that. No, we have to use our common sense. We, you know, God has given us common sense. He expects us to use it. God told us what is right from wrong. He expects us to obey it, okay? But God said, I will give your, I will guard your heart. He's guarding against one. He's guarding against those fiery darts of Satan. And all of us know Satan wants to throw sometime the kitchen sink at us. But Jesus says, I will guard your heart if you'll accept it. 
Now you can give in and say, well, this one time. No. He said, I will guard your heart and I will guard your mind. And then in closing, the last verse, my life verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. All things, all things through Christ. Not that I can do it, but I can do it through him. Because why? Because he gives us the strength to do it. He gives us the strength to love the unlovely. He gives us the strength. You know, when I was, when I was, when I was working on this, I was thinking of our Detroit outreach. You know, they go up there once a month, you know, to that Detroit outreach. And it's, it's not a pretty, pretty sight. You know, there's some rough characters there, but they go up there and they hand out and they do this and they do that and they pray. You know, hey, you know, I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. Why can they do it? Because Christ strengthens them to do it. We can do it, people. We can live the life if we're in Jesus Christ. And that's what he's telling the Philippian church here. You can do it. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Live in, live in that path that he's given you. And Jesus will give you the strength to succeed. He'll give you the strength to succeed. And I can hardly, some days, some days I, I think, Lord, you know, if you come back today, it sure would be nice. Sometimes I can hardly wait to get there. You know, I can hardly wait to get there. Not that, not that I want to die and leave tomorrow, no. But, you know, sometimes I miss heaven, you know. I mean, I'm anxious to get there. Why? Just to see Jesus. You know, it's going to be great to see everybody else that went before me, but to see him and to be able to worship him and to be able to kneel down at his feet and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you're the one who carried me when I couldn't go any farther. You're the one who picked me up. You're the one who helped me here. You're the one who did this. You're the one who did that. Thank you, Jesus. That's what heaven about, and that's what he's talking about here to the Philippian church. Keep your eyes upon Jesus to the day that Christ returns. Isn't that good? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Your word, the Heavenly Father, that is uplifting. Your word, the Heavenly Father, that, that tells us to keep our eyes upon you. Your, your word, the Heavenly Father, that tells us that we're doing a good job. Your word, the Heavenly Father, that tells us that we can do everything that you want us to do through your strength, not through ours, not through our knowledge, not because I'm a good person, not because, the Heavenly Father, that I prayed, but because, the Heavenly Father, you have given me the strength to do it. So, Lord, tonight we thank you for that strength that comes through Jesus Christ, that comes from knowing you, that comes from keeping our eyes upon Jesus Christ. So, Lord, tonight, as we leave tonight, as we leave tonight, Lord, help us to keep our eyes upon you. And, Lord, may one day we be that shining star that Jesus, that people will say, what are you so happy about? We ask this in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good evening. If you need prayer, if you need special prayer tonight, come on up and let us pray for you.